This show was first broadcast on Free FM, Hamilton, New Zealand's community access media organisation. For more information on our lineup of shows and the role we play in the media, visit freefm.org.nz. This show is brought to you by the Buddhist Youth Association every Sunday, bringing Buddhism to the community of the Waikato. We also give away a range of free English or Chinese Buddhism books, MP3 or tapes on Buddhism. If you'd like one, please send a letter with $3 worth of stamps in an envelope to P.O. Box 82146, Highland Park, Howick, Auckland. Or you can phone 092713377. Buddhist Youth Association, respectful, beneficial, empowering. Hello and welcome and thank you for joining the program today. How often do we make a situation worse by jumping in with all our prejudices and preconceived ideas and hardly a charitable thought for anybody opposing us? And in the meantime, we present ourselves, at least to ourselves, as good people, even loving people. It takes some serious examination of our conditioning and perhaps, as happened to Barbara Bodsky, a transformative experience to see how misguided we can be and how much damage we can do under that misguidedness. Of course, we have a duty, especially if we have the Bodhisattva vow, to at least try to set injustice right. But the deed itself, without love and understanding, has all the potential to make things worse. If we don't first try to understand the others, particularly those we disagree with in the situation, perhaps practicing what Thich Nhat Hanh calls deep listening and loving speech, how can we hope to find the common ground that will relieve our tensions? Barbara Bodsky's story reminds me of an example of a Thich Nhat Hanh teaching that we used in the program some time ago about the coming together in his center Plum Village of Israeli and Palestinian groups. Those of you who were with us may remember the story, but here it is again. Thich Nhat Hanh writes, over the years, we have sponsored many Palestinian and Israeli groups to come to Plum Village to practice with us. In the beginning, it's always very difficult for the two groups to look at or speak to each other because everyone has a lot of fear, anger, despair, hate and misunderstanding. Therefore, their practice during the first week is just breathing and walking mindfully. So they can calm down and recognize the energy of anger, fear and violence in themselves and they can get a kind of relief. After about ten days, we introduce them to the practice of deep, compassionate listening. In this practice, you listen with all your heart in order to give the other person a chance to empty his or her heart. There's a lot of suffering within the other person, and maybe no one has ever been able to listen to him or to her. One hour of listening like that can bring a lot of relief to the other person. The group of Israelis sit quietly in order to listen to the Palestinians, and vice versa. You have the right to say what is in your heart, but you should kind use the kind of language that will help the other person or the other group of people to get the message. And this kind of language is called loving speech. You're not supposed to argue, condemn or blame, but you can tell everything with the condition that you use loving speech. Practicing like that and speaking like that can help restore communication. When you listen like that, you have an opportunity to realize that the other group consists also of people who have suffered exactly like you have. 
their children, their men and women have suffered tremendously, like your own people, your own children. If you see that they have a lot of wrong perceptions about themselves and also about you, you tell yourself that later on you will have time to help them correct their perceptions by offering them the kind of information that they need in order to do so. If while listening you realize that you too have wrong perceptions, then you have a chance to correct your own perceptions. It is only when you are able to see the other person as a human being who has suffered as much as you have that you can begin to look at him with the eyes of compassion. Looking at him or at her like that makes you suffer less and it makes him or her suffer less at the same time. After the second week of practice, the two groups are able to share a meal together and hold hands to do a walking meditation together. We've witnessed this kind of transformation in our community. Before they leave for the Middle East, they always come up as one group and report to us about the fruits of their practice. They always promise that once they go back home, they will organize activities that will allow other Palestinians and Israelis to join them in the practice so that they too can suffer less. So says Thich Han. We're all just human beings, each of us with our own imperfections and mistaken perceptions, our own ignorance through which we create suffering, our own suffering and others. How can we possibly free ourselves and others from this endless suffering and find peace if we don't practice looking deeply into our mutual experience to develop understanding and at least friendship for each other? Without trying to understand others, without practicing deep listening and loving speech, we easily end up labeling those we disagree with axes of evil and go on to create catastrophes like the Iraq war. We need to change our minds to find a way of solving our differences through ways other than confrontation and coercion. And so we turn to the advice from masters who've long trained in loving kindness, compassion and wisdom, like Langri Tampa, whose eight verses of mind training we've been following over the last few weeks. In the first six verses, he advises us to develop the wish to benefit all beings, regarding them as more precious than any jewel that can fulfill all our wishes. He tells us not to put ourselves above others, but to actually regard them as higher than ourselves. We have to closely watch our minds, he says, and when any negative attitude like pride or smugness arises, counter it immediately. Then we can remember the love for her oppressors of the old southern lady in the dress of roses and the tiny hat, as Longri Tampa urges us to hold dear those who are filled with negative emotions, violent behavior, and suffering. And if they abuse and mistreat us, it may even be possible to accept defeat and offer the victory to others, as Langri Tampa's fifth verse advises. And the sixth verse goes on even further to say that when someone we have fully trusted and in whom we have put our hopes betrays that trust in our hopes, we should see them as our close teacher. Last week we went into the seventh verse. In short, both directly and indirectly, I offer every happiness and benefit to all my mothers. I shall secretly take upon myself all their harmful actions and suffering. Now if you remember, that is the practice of Tonglen, or giving and taking. But now we've gone on long enough without thinking as we usually do about our motivation for being together today. 
Let's take a moment for that, remembering that the greatest motivation is to attain enlightenment, not just for our own sakes, but to benefit all beings everywhere. Another motivation, though not so good, is to attain enlightenment just for ourselves. The basis for enlightenment is consideration for others with loving kindness and compassion. So isn't it a little bit contrary, a little bit selfish, not to want to work for their ultimate benefit? However, if we can't, we can't. So please, set whichever motivation is most beneficial for your mind. But at least try to make it not only for this life, which is short and uncertain. At least think of the many coming lives you will have and make their happiness your purpose for participating in the program today. Thank you. In short, both directly and indirectly, I offer every happiness and benefit to all my mothers. I shall secretly take upon myself all their harmful actions and suffering. Now, as we indicated last week, and as I said a little earlier in, in this program, this verse refers to the Bodhisattva practice of Tom Len, taking on su- others' suffering and giving them our happiness. Tong Len actually means giving and taking, though in practice we do it the other way round. Take on suffering first and then give happiness. As far as the giving is concerned, Dr. Alex Berzin in his commentary says that this means actual giving, that's like giving of material aid, help, dharma teachings and so on, as well as giving with our minds in meditation exercises. He even writes about taking on others' nastiness, saying, This is very much a way of also dealing with others who are very cruel, who, under the influence of their disturbing emotions, act in a very self-cherishing way, in a very nasty way towards us and towards others. To actually think, to take that on ourselves, to remove it from them and to take it on ourselves, and then to give them whatever solution would be for that particular type of problem or disturbing emotion that they might have. He refers to scriptures that urge us to think of mistakes we see in others as our own mistakes and our good qualities as theirs. Let's say somebody is acting very self-cherishing, just thinking of themselves, he says. Then we take that on. In other words, we think in terms of our own self-cherishing as well, that we have this also. So we take on theirs as well, remove it from them and apply whatever opponent there would be to overcoming that. So in doing that, we overcome not only our own self-cherishing as well, but then we wish it for the other and give it to them. From that point of view, this Tonglen practice, he points out, builds on what we've practiced in the previous verses of Longri Tampa's text. We deal not only with others' suffering and disturbing emotions, but also our own. He writes, That's why another aspect of this type of practice of Tonglen is when we have a very strong problem, or any type of problem, physical suffering or mental suffering or disturbing emotion, this is not specifically with another person, but in general, may the disturbing emotion or the sickness or whatever of everybody come on me. We are working, he says, to solve the problem in ourselves, not just for our own sake, but for the sake of everybody else. We take it on from everybody else as well, and not just giving the solution to ourselves, but to everybody else. This comes from realizing that we're all equal in that we all have the same type of problems. He quotes two non-consecutive verses out of Shantideva's A Guide to the Bodhisattva's Way of Life that go, Therefore, for the sake of quelling my own suffering and for quelling the suffering of others as well, 
I shall give myself over to others and take others on as myself. Thus, anyone who wishes to give safe direction swiftly to himself and others needs to practice the most sacred secret, the exchange of self with others. Langri Tampa calls this practice secret, just as Shantideva does, and His Holiness the Dalai Lama says it's described that way because it's an advanced practice, not something new bodhisattvas should attempt. However, Alex Berzin translates secret as hiddenly accept on myself. This means, he says, that when we practice Donglen, it should be done privately, not making a big show out of it. One doesn't go around waving hands in front of the other person, and that's the person one is doing Tonglen for, and telling them, I'm doing Tonglen, and go woo with your hands, and take on the problems and give happiness to others with hand gestures. Because, on the one hand, there can be a big ego trip that we're putting on a big show, and on the other hand, if it doesn't work, which in most cases it won't, then we just make fools of ourselves and cause the other person to be really disappointed and to lose faith in us. And so, it's best when we do this Tonglen practice not to tell the other person at all, let alone doing it in front of them. He also distinguishes Tonglen from some of the other practices that the Tibetan Lamas do, like blowing their breath on people. This is not a Tonglen, but passing on the power of mantra. Lamas, with very strong motivation and concentration, can influence others, as Dr. Burson explains. The purpose of the mantra is to protect the mind, he says. That's literally the meaning of the Sanskrit word. By helping the mind to not go in a negative type of direction, putting it in a positive direction with the mantra and with a thought that goes with the mantra. But mantra really is a shaping of the breath, and shaping of the breath is shaping of the energy. Now, on a deeper tantra level, one wants to shape the breath in order to be able to gain control of it, so that the breath and the energy, same word, the subtle energy, can be dissolved into the heart chakra in order to get to the clear light level of mind for the most efficient understanding of voidness. He indicates that by shaping the subtlest energy through visualization and manipulating the breath and then sending it out, a great practitioner can help others. He says, so if you can shape that subtle energy and send it forth, then it can have an uplifting effect. It's usually translated as blessing. And so it can uplift other people and so on to help act as a circumstance or a condition for their own positive karma to ripen, if they have the positive karma. And if they don't, nothing is going to happen. And so one sees the uplifting or blessing of a place by just the presence of someone, or it can in this case be, as I'm explaining here, when they blow their breath on other people, or blow their breath into water, and then this is given to other people to drink, which can help in difficult situations. We also have what's called hand blessing, this uplifting by means of touching the other person with a hand. That's also not giving and taking, that's not Tonglen. Now that's all a bit of an aside, but Dr. Burson then goes on to quote Shantideva again in a verse that says, For those who haven't exchanged their happiness for the suffering of others, Buddhahood will be impossible to attain, and there will be no happiness even in samsara. If we only think of our own happiness and neglect others, not only will we not succeed in getting happiness, but we will not be able to become a Buddha. We can return to the Israelis and the Palestinians in Thich Nhat Hanh's example. 
as long as each side was concentrated on their own point of view and getting their own satisfaction and not considering the other's point of view, so much fear, anger and hostility arose. But when the two groups started putting aside their own concerns and started listening to the other side and cooperating with them, they found more peace, harmony and happiness. Of course, neither Israelis nor Palestinians generally believe in Buddha, but the likelihood of pleasing or uniting with their deity, whatever it is, is unlikely, while they harbor hatred and fear in their hearts. Dr. Berzin then goes on to describe the practice of taking and giving with a breath, with a slight variation to the way Sangye Kadro explained it last week. The way that we practice this is we do the taking first, he says. We imagine taking on the suffering of others as we breathe in, and we do that with an attitude of compassion. May they be free from their problems and the causes of their problems, and so on. And then, as we breathe out, we imagine with love, may they be happy and have the causes of happiness. And we breathe out what will be of benefit to them. And we do this in terms of breathing in through the right nostril and all their sufferings and problems and so on will be visualized in certain forms. And these go down to our heart and dissolve there. And then, as we breathe out again, the visualization of the happiness and other things that we're giving them leaves us with our out-breath as we breathe out through our left nostril. You don't have to hold your nose while you do that, but just imagining like that. When we become proficient at it, you can do it with each in and out breath. But in the beginning, that's a bit too complicated and difficult to do. So we would do a period of the breathing in. Obviously you have to breathe out, but focusing on the taking aspect and dissolving it, and then the aspect of giving. Now first of all, in doing this practice, in almost all cases, it's not going to work, unless we have an unbelievably pure motivation, unbelievably perfect concentration, and bodhicitta, and these types of things, and a really strong karmic connection with the other person, and really have overcome self-cherishing and ego-grasping, and all these sorts of things. Unless we have all that, it's not going to work. But what is very important, of course, are two things. One is the strong wish to be able to reach the point where it would work, but with the understanding that, of course, all we can do is provide circumstances. As Buddha said in one of his sutras, a Buddha can't remove the suffering from others like pulling a thorn out of somebody's foot. All a Buddha can do is show the way to enlightenment. Dr. Berzin says that if it's going to work, what we are actually doing when we practice Tonglen for another person is either providing circumstances for that person's positive karma to ripen or for any negative karma they are experiencing to become weaker. The practice will not, for instance, actually remove blindness from a sightless person or sickness from an ill person. It's not that we are taking some piece of their karmic situation and throwing it onto ourselves, he says, like catching a ball or something like that, and that we are actually giving something from our own side. But as I said, in most cases it's not going to work. So we want to develop a strong wish May I be able to benefit others like this? He continues, But also one of the main emphases here is to enable us to be able to overcome that ego-grasping and self-cherishing, which says, I don't want to get involved. I don't want to get my hands dirty. It's too much bother. I'm too busy. It's too much of a mess. I have difficulty enough with my own problems. To develop the courage of the Bodhisattva to overcome that, that's what we're trying to do. 
He says that in imagining taking on the suffering of others, we must be fully prepared to accept that suffering. The words, may it ripen on me, must be absolutely sincere. You have to be totally willing to suffer the same thing that the other person is suffering, to take on their problem, he says. Our attitude has to be, I accept their problem as if it were my own problem. If the person we are doing Tong Len for is unemployed, lonely or sick, we think, I will deal with it the same as I would my own problem. He recalls Shanti Deva's instruction to regard another's body as our own, to label I onto someone else's body, so one would have the same regard for that person as one has for oneself. In that way, he says, and I quote, we need to fully be willing to experience that suffering ourselves, otherwise it won't work. So that builds up this tremendous amount of courage. He goes on, Now in taking it on ourselves, then when you bring it onto yourself, it's not that you hold on to the suffering. You're willing to experience that suffering, but you dissolve it in your heart in terms of the understanding of voidness, into the clear light mind, the subtlest level of mind, with that understanding of the voidness. So in a sense, it passes through you, but you experience it. It comes to the heart and dissolves in the heart, but we're willing to experience it. He points out that if we don't see it from the point of view of the subtlest mind and emptiness of inherent existence or voidness, we might really experience unhappiness and wonder how from the midst of that we could bring happiness to others. It's by dissolving the winds of that suffering, of that disturbance, into the subtlest mind, to calm them down, that then you can access and bring out the Buddha nature qualities that are there in the subtlest mind. And it's on the basis of that that you give happiness to others, he says. By taking on the particular suffering and the disturbing emotion with the visualization of dissolving them into voidness in the clear light mind, we get stronger and stronger against the ego's resistance to really having to deal with it. And thus, we are actually using this practice to build our courage. He emphasizes that it's not only the sickness or the unhappiness that we are taking on with Tong Lin. We are also taking on the afflictive emotions of the other person. That is why Tong Lin is a very advanced practice. It's an incredibly advanced practice, not at all a beginner practice, not at all a beginner Mahayana practice even, he says. It's a very, very advanced practice, and one has to do it quite slowly. When you think in terms of applying the opponents, well, first, you have to calm down. Take on this mistake or this disturbing emotion and calm it down. Then the antidote comes out of this more calm, subtler level of mind. One has to be a little bit delicate here. When we take on the stupidity of others, for instance, it's not that then we sit there and imagine that we are more and more and more stupid or try to generate more stupidity. It's not quite like that. But to try to have a feeling or understanding of the suffering that's involved in being stupid. There are many ways of looking at the practice, he says. So one is in terms of, yes, I have the same thing as well. Or if the other person has cancer, yes, from beginningless time, I must have the karmic potentials also to have cancer. So you can think in terms of, it's not that I'm totally unrelated to this person. Of course I can understand it, because I have a similar type of thing. So there's that aspect. Then there's the aspect, when we have something May this aspect in everybody who has it come on me. But also there's the aspect of when we're working with our own problem, by taking on others' problems, 
What we want to do is to smash our own self-cherishing. And even when we don't have that manifest problem, may I take on the problems of others to smash my self-cherishing. He then quotes Dhammarakshita's text, Wheel of Sharp Weapons, which says, With all of the sufferings that others experience, smother completely our selfish concern. The suffering of others arise from five poisons. Thus, whichever delusion afflicts other beings, take it to smother delusions of self. Though we have not a doubt, for we recognize fully the cause and the root of mistakes we all make, if there is still left a part of our minds that would tend to support this delusion of self that we have, then destroy the firm hold of this part of our minds that against our true wishes makes fools of us still. As all that is wrong can be traced to one source, our concern for ourselves whom we cherish the most, we must meditate now on the kindness of others, accepting the suffering that they never wished for. We must dedicate fully our virtues to all. Thus accepting ourselves all deluded non-virtuous actions that others have done in the past, in the present and future, with mind, speech and body, may delusions of others as well as our own be the favoured conditions to gain our enlightenment, just as the peacocks eat poison and thrive. As crows may be cured after swallowing poison by a powerful antidote given in time, let's direct to all others our virtuous merit, that this may replenish their chances for freedom, may all sentient beings reach Buddhahood soon. This is the whole emphasis in the wheel of sharp weapons, to trample, step on the life of this ego-grasping, this self-cherishing, says Dr. Burzen. And how do you do it? By taking on the suffering of others and giving our happiness to others. You have to do it in a very forceful way, and this forceful way is with the visualizations that accompany the practice. He then goes on to talk about the various visualizations, but we'll have to leave that till next time, for our time together is now up. Thanks for joining the program today, and please tune in again next week. Please also dedicate any positive energy from the program to gaining enlightenment for the benefit of all beings. Thank you, and goodbye. Thanks for listening to this Free FM podcast. If you want to hear more content like this, you can support Free FM via Patreon. Head to patreon.com slash freefm89 to find out more.